Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. It's about to go. This is the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Where we talk history of the game numbers and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should. Because I'm sick to this. This is the real deal. And you know I got to shout out the Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max. Sit back and relax. This is the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. This makes 12. We've made it to 12. Uh, it's an impressive feat for me, I guess, right now, until we get to 13 next week, because uh, it's already lined up. So thanks again for being here. Uh, super excited for this guest, because uh, as part of the journey around the league and stuff, we eventually are always going to find our way to like last week, I had Steffi Smalls on, right? And she's a she comes from the other team that claims they're in the state of New York, you know, as a Giants fan. This week, it's going to get a little more exciting because we're taking it right into the AFC East. And we've got uh, we've got a Miami Dolphins fan on the other side of the line today easy keep the hate mail down we just got started right let's give him a chance to uh, introduce himself before we uh, disrespect him too much this week i'm going to be joined by troy king troy king uh, he writes for football guys a little bit amongst some other things he's got a pot of his own hey troy uh, thanks for being here man um, i'm excited to chat bills dolphins with you um i i really enjoy your opinion uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, let everybody know a little bit about yourself of course. Well, I hope you have that same opinion of me after this show when we get more into <laughs> right? it. <laughs> but, you know, one Cole, thank you so much for having me. So, yeah, my name is Troy King. I am also I am a contributor to football, guys. I'm also one of the co-hosts of Fantasy Football Confidential. We are on Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But th- those are the main things that I'm doing. I've been in the space since August of last year. It has been such a fun ride so far, man. And I am a Dolphins fan, so y'all don't hate me too much. <laughs> but, but I'm excited to, you know, tell y'all what I think about the Bills and tell you what I think about the Dolphins and all that jazz. Yeah, it should be a really good show. And I, I, I most of the time, uh, I think you probably focus a little more heavily in the fantasy world. Um, but I like I've mentioned a few times on the show now because I've had quite a few fantasy guys on. I think that uh, the fantasy guys just look at the game a little bit differently. Or if you're really that much into fantasy that you absolutely have to be like into football. Right. So you watch a lot of football. You're paying attention to different mm-hmm. teams. You're seeing different things happen. So I like to have guys like you on that have a, you know, a quality opinion of everybody's team and their capable of looking at their own team and saying no we're not that good or we we're weak here right because as a realist of a team like any team i know we have weak spots too right i mean that's that's just facing the facts so uh it's gonna be fun i hope you guys are gonna enjoy the ride as we squish the fish on the show we'll just get that one in early (laughs) (laughs) we'll see we'll see what happens but anyways before we really get into too much of the football stuff you know that every week uh, we like to chat up a charity and organization that um the guest that's coming on uh is a fan of or you know maybe has a close personal experience with we've had in the past those types of things um so i'm super excited again this week uh, i don't think that this is going to be an organization that you've never heard of um it's been around for like over 80 years or so so i'd imagine that you've probably heard about it um but this week we're going to be chatting about the march of dimes um uh, i think uh, you know it hits home for anybody that's had a kid um or anybody that ever had the polio vaccine i think right you should know about the march of dimes but let's give uh, troy why don't you go ahead and tell me why you chose uh, to want to highlight the March of Dimes this week. Absolutely. So for those who aren't familiar with March of Dimes, they focus on the health of mothers and the babies, so pregnant women. So the main reason why it touched me, because I 
I have a stepdaughter, but I also have a three-year-old toddler. And as well as after that, you know, it's kind of a personal story. So I had a stillborn child and then I lost another child to miscarriage. So to me, you know, those obviously are, you know, very strong personal experiences for me. So that's one of the reasons why I chose this is because it's such a focus and a lot of people struggle, you know, with pregnancies. A lot of people struggle with pregnancies or the health of the baby and, you know, the health of the mother. So it's such a universal thing. And, you know, there's so many amazing charities, but this one to me definitely hit home just because, again, of my personal experiences, and I just think they're doing an excellent job of what they're doing in terms of educating women about how, to, you know, about a healthy pregnancy and just providing different means to assist. So for me, those are the reasons why I was attracted to that charity. Yeah. I mean, um, this is like for me, you know, I have, I have a 13 year old son as well, you know, so, uh, I've had to go through the whole baby thing as well. And it's a challenge, right. And, uh, for a lot of women, uh, it can really, you know, wreak, wreak havoc and, you know, on their bodies, mentally, physically, everything else, you know, so it is a big challenge to, uh, you know, get through a pregnancy and it's cool that there are, you know, people out there that you can call and you can get help from. And, you know, the March of Dimes does that, right. Not only have they, you know, been around forever saving the day in other departments, you know, like you mentioned, the big piece nowadays is education. You know, I think a, a lot of women back in the, you know, older days didn't have, or the past, so to say, didn't have is access to as much material, right, as they do now, right? And that can change so much. And obviously, everybody has more access to healthcare knowledge. So everything's getting better. And that's one of their main drivers, right, is they take a lot of the money and they put it into research for moving forward. No, absolutely. So it's a, absolutely an awesome cause, right? I mean, if you haven't heard of them, uh, You've heard of them now, right? Uh, but if you've had, if you've probably already experienced them or, you know, things of that nature, if you know anybody that's going through a pregnancy right now, you know, I just had uh, some friends of mine who had to go the like in vitro and do all that and everything in the, you know, under the sun to try to have a little baby that they fortunately just had, you know, a month ago. Um, so he's in the world now, which is incredibly awesome, right? So places like the March of Dimes are, you know, places that make things like that happen. So uh, very cool. Um, it was actually, he was like, um, can we chat at March of Dimes? Like, because he's like, I'm pretty sure everybody knows about it. And I'm like, well, absolutely. Right. Because just there's just because you've heard about it before doesn't mean it's been brought back up in your mind here recently. Right. So it's cool to bring circle back and chat up things, even if they've been around for a very long time. So very cool. Um, and like we always do, you know, you guys, if you, you want to be able to help out with the March of Dimes, you're just looking for info or you want to send it over all the, all their information will be in the show notes, all that kind of stuff, you know, so it'll be a click away for you to just hop right over there and get what you need. So very cool, Troy. Uh, is thanks for telling us, you know, that stuff too. You know, that that personal stuff because that's, um, you know, that really hits home for a lot more people. You know, that can actually have an experience attached to it. Of yeah, you know, you didn't, you don't think about those kind of things all the time, right? But they happen all the time, right? They're happening daily. So very cool. Really appreciate that. But no, no doubt. Um, to get a little less serious and uh, chat about some stuff that's a little more fun, even though I do think that at one point we might make the dolphins a baby <laughs> during the season, but you know, but we'll see. But anyways, let's chat bills and let's chat dolphins. And we know we got a great spectacle coming up here next week, right? Like, we're like a week out from the draft, you know, so it's an exciting time for everybody. Everybody's engaged in football, talking crap about kids that they don't know. And, uh, you know, talking really great stuff about them too, but just so far through free agency, Troy, would you say that you feel the dolphins have, uh, kind of just stayed where they were as far as uh, how good they are. Do you think they got better? I mean, I don't feel, I don't think you would think that they got worse, right? They didn't really lose anything that I would say got them into a boat where they're worse, but do you think they kind of just stood pat or do you think you guys actually made some moves to really improve the team so far this off season? I think that I would say that we improved. I'm not going to say too much significant. So we traded Jack Lawson and we got McKinney from Houston. So I believe that, even though I like Shaq Lawson, I believe McKinney, he's an underrated talent. So I, I did like that move as well as the most obvious one, Will Fuller. You know, he helps open up the offense, right? Because last year, the offense, it, it couldn't get going a lot with Tua, right? So um, you mentioned earlier in the show or when we were talking about being transparent, right, in terms of a Dolphins fan. I know that, like, to me, I believe in Tua. I believe that he had... a a lot that he had to overcome in the offseason. He was going to people like Jakeem Grant, 
Isaiah Ford, Matt Collins, like, you know, they get practice squad dudes, right? You're not going to win too many games. You're not going to move the offense with that talent. So having someone like Will Fuller to help open up the offense and also provide more opportunity to our other pass catchers, Mikey G, Devontae Parker, and we'll see what happens in the draft. I'm assuming we're going to be, you know, grabbing a receiver there. So that's just an element of speed that we didn't have before. And then again, you it opens up the whole offense and hopefully the play calling as well. We take more shots down the field because it was very conservative dink and dunk last year, which also stalled a lot of drives because you get to third down. We got into a lot of third and long situations, right? So hopefully, you know, things will turn around or, you know, again, we take more shots on first down. So we don't have to keep, you know, again, having a lackluster offense. So I believe, and also just having more running back depth. We got Malcolm Brown. I'm not saying that he's like he's going to be our savior of running back, but at the same time, we needed depth, right? We didn't have that much depth last year, and he's a bigger body. So I believe that you know he's a good short yardage kind of guys, and he's a solid. He's a solid bet. So overall, I think we, we made some okay moves. I know we got a couple of free agent offensive linemen. You know, they're not significant names, but that also helps. You know, you can. Our offensive line last year had, was mainly filled with rookies. So this year, you know, another year in the offense, and we'll see if we address any more offensive line help in the draft. But overall, I'd say we did improve. I'm not, like, freaking out about it. Like, oh, my gosh, yeah, we're significantly improved. But I think the draft, however, I think that's where we're going to start really seeing some moves by them. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I, I... I, there was nothing that really took place where I was like, okay, the Dolphins got that much better, but there there were definitely pieces so far. Like the Will Fuller, he he definitely can add an element to the offense uh, that Devontae Parker hasn't had an opportunity. Not that I'm sold that he's going to be a great player, but he's never even had an opportunity to have anybody draw attention away from right, him. Right. Exactly. Like, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he can do with a little bit of help. Cause I guess Gusecki last year, a little bit of, took a little bit away from him right towards the middle of the field, but He's never played with anybody this significant, I would say. And I, I agree with your Malcolm Brown. He's not the world beater, right? But I do agree that there's an, there's definite value in having a veteran running back or at least a guy that has experience carrying the football. The, you, you could look back to the Bills and Sean McDermott. There was a point late in the playoff games last year where he had – the other backs available and he still just went with TJ Yeldon late in the game and TJ Yeldon hadn't carried a football in for friggin' ever. <laughs> right. But he still just said, you know, like, Hey, the veteran guy knows what to do here. And I would rather stick with the veteran guy. So I do think that Malcolm Brown, he, he could definitely be a good back there. And it all does boil down to, for you guys that, in it to me is it's two, right? I mean, there's no, there's no way around this. Cause like you mentioned, a lot of long third and long situations because of the dumping the ball off, right? Like uh, he doesn't look like he can throw the ball to the outside confidently yet. And that to me is a, a big concern. Um, So I actually thought the Bursette signing was huge as well, because I think there's the possibility that maybe he's even the guy, right? That you just move him in because he does have experience playing in the NFL and he can be successful, especially with what's now, I think going to be a fairly good offense. I say I think about the Brissett thing. I because I've heard a lot of like I'm not saying you're making the take takes like oh last year like oh if Tua struggles you know for the three quarters we're gonna put Brissett in as like the reliever. I personally think that Brissett is just more of like we needed a backup, right? We lost Fitz. We really don't have anybody, and then we don't really don't have anybody behind Tua. So for me, Brissett is a solid veteran run. I mean, what quarterback, sorry, who, if I, I think mainly if there's injury, right. If to whatever to again, God, God hoping that Tua stays healthy, we can just put Brissett in. I think he's very capable of being able to run the offense. Right. So we've seen him with the Colts. We've seen him even with the Patriots, right. He's, he's a solid, okay, especially for a backup. Like that's the type of backup you want on your team, but that's all I think Brissett is in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that he's a phenomenal quarterback, right? And he definitely, he fills a role too in the veteran that we just talked about, right? It, it's good to have a veteran presence around. He does know how to work. He's learned under Brady. He's 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 going to have elements that Tua probably hasn't experienced yet, even though Fitzpatrick was with him last year and I'm sure was giving him 
more than he could handle, right? Because Fitzpatrick is an incredibly intelligent dude, especially at the quarterback position, understanding the game. But I think you think he's going to be the quarterback then for the Dolphins long term, or do you still need to see like a real jump in his play this year before you're ready to do that? So here's the thing. So there's there's a lot of pressure, right? So looking back at last year, and another thing that a lot of people forget is that I think the plan was that after the bye, they were always going to try to transition to Tua, right? We took him like number five in the draft. Like we knew he was going to play. But originally with COVID, he wasn't supposed to play until I believe like after like week 11 or so. But what happened was the scheduling got all changed because of COVID. So our buy got pushed up like three weeks ahead. So then, and also I don't believe that the Dolphins expected, you know, Fitzpatrick to be playing as well as he did. So then obviously there's a controversy of, oh, now we're going to put two in. I thought we were going to suck last year. I had no idea we were going to be as good as we were. And obviously it was a pleasant surprise. And then, you know, Fitzpatrick looked great. And obviously it made that transition. It was very awkward, but, and also Tua didn't have an off season. We all, everybody knows about the injury and all the other things I mentioned about the offensive line weapons. So I'm, I, I guess I would give him a pass, but he did, he did have his moments, right? He did have his moments where he looked like the guy that we drafted to be our franchise quarterback. And then there are moments where it's like, what the hell is this guy doing? Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I believe that this, but this year, I believe that the organization is going to put him in the most successful, I guess, situation, right? Like they're going to surround him with weapons in the draft, they're definitely going to address the wide receiver position, I believe. Who knows? At number six, we could possibly get Kyle Pitts. Like, that's the person that – if I had a dream person at six, if Kyle Pitts was there, that's what I want. Even though we have Mikey G, him and Mikey G together, linebackers and safeties would have a fit. I don't know what you're going to do with both of them, right, on the field at the same time. You can even put Pitts on the outside. It would be a nightmare for defenses. So I believe that – the Dolphins are going to just do everything they can to put Tua in the best position possible. Because if he doesn't do it this year, then I think he would might. It depends on how bad he looks, right? Like if he, let's say we don't make it to the playoffs, but he looks decent, then I'm like, all right, let's ride with him. But if he just looks like hot garbage, then yeah, we got to move on. You know, like, again, I'm a Tua fan, but I'm more of a Dolphin fan than I am a Tua fan. So... Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things to do as a fan is to actually just be remain a fan of the team, right? Because ultimately it's, yeah, you can love a player and you can be super excited about, you know, drafting them and you can have all this hope in the world that they're going to turn it around. But if they're not helping you win right now, it's hard to be a fan of the team, right? Because especially at the quarterback position, they tend to be the driver, right? So if your quarterback's not doing very well, then the team doesn't typically do very well. I think that um, there's... The other thing I'm curious, I, I was you brought up Pitts. What if, let's just say hypothetically for some weird reason, like a guy like Fields falls back to six and the Dolphins are sitting there at six going, okay, so Fields looks really good. Tua looked really good. What do we do? Do we really pass on a Justin Fields? Like if somehow one of these quarterbacks fell back to you guys, would you still, would you be opposed to them taking another quarterback? Or would you say just pass on it and get him the talent and let's, and let's just continue with him. I would definitely be opposed to it, right? Like as much as I'm a huge, I, I like Justin Fields, right? If we didn't have a Tua, I would want us to get someone like Justin Fields. The problem is that if we're going to get Justin Fields, there's no reason to make the trades that we made, right? To move back to 12 and then go back up to six, we're at three, <laughs> you know? So it just wouldn't have made any sense to do all that if that was the goal to get a quarterback because we know like, we know what the quarterbacks are going to be going to the top of the draft, right? Most likely it's going to be Lawrence. And then the rumors are Wilson. So if that were the case and we were thinking about field, we would have just stayed at three. So to me, I don't think that's wise. I don't, everything that I've heard of in terms of just from dolphins experts to, you know, inside people, whatever, it does not sound like we're going QB. It seems like they're all in on tour, right? They spent, we mm-hmm. spent their draft capital last year. He didn't look bad enough where I believe that's like, okay, we need to move on from it, right? He had his moments. And also, look, and the problem is I think the worst thing for Tua is Justin Herbert, right? It's because Justin Herbert looked so good last year. I think that's the reason why so many people are down on Tua because everybody knows he was drafted right before Tua. There are rumors of, oh, Dolphins can go either or, right? So that's the issue. And again, if you look at Herbert, looked great last year, but his team sucked. 
Tua did for the most part enough to help the team win, right? He didn't put the team on his back, but he game managed, right? He did enough to put the offense in successful situations. I mean, grand unfortunately, there were a bunch of field goals, but at the same time, that's all we needed to help win the game, right? The defense was really the reason why we won games. So those are the reasons. Again, I, I have confidence, though, that he's going to be our quarterback of the future. I mean, I believe, you know, again, if he has a solid season this year, then it's wheels up for Tua. Yeah. So you do you I've heard multiple different avenues, you know, for the Dolphins in the draft. You've mentioned that you're, you know, obviously you're saying offense is going to be the number one priority either way, whether it's wide receiver or a tight end, probably at six, right? Like if if Pitt somehow ends up being there, which there's talk Atlanta might try to make a move on him too or whatever, right? But so if you go that route and you're gonna go offense, you think you go offense both picks in the first round because you could essentially walk away with the top wide receiver and one of the top running backs, or you could walk away with the top tight end and one of the top wide receivers, you know, like, so do you believe that they'll go both routes? I've kind of been saying that Flores, I think to me is a defensive guy. He's still going to pull a defensive player with the, in the first round. If it's the, it's going to be the second pick most likely, or maybe they move back again, draft day, who knows. Right. Yeah. But I think that there's going to be a first round defensive pick. Do you agree? Or do you think it's still going to be offense offense? I think that's a great question because I'm if I was a fit be speaking as a fan, right. In terms of what I would like, and maybe I'm just a little bit biased because maybe because offense is a little bit more exciting. And last year we did a lot of defense, right? Last year we did a lot of defense. It's been Flores loves his corners, right? So it's possible that in the draft, we could address a corner because obviously we know Xavier Howard, he's phenomenal. 10 interceptions, right? But he's one of the highest paid, you know, defensive backs in the league. So how much longer are we going to make him the top, you know, defensive back? So maybe they look for like another successor, you know, in this draft. I don't know. But obviously Micah Parsons, the best like defensive prospect to me in this draft. Is he going to be there at 18? I don't know. I think he might be too good. I don't know if he lands there. But to me, if it's not like that caliber of defensive player, then I think it makes more sense to move back. I think the number six pick is 100% going to be offense. I don't, there's no way it's not going to be offense to me. And then at 18, I would not be surprised if the Dolphins move back, right? And let's say that one of the QBs fall, maybe not one of like the obvious ones, but who knows? There might be a QB that's like kind of in that mid tier that might be there. Maybe a team is willing to trade up like to get that particular spot. Then I see the Dolphins moving back, gathering some picks because let's say we go pits at six, right? I don't really see them going pits and a receiver. I mean, who knows? I don't see that. I think it'd be more likely if it's like pits and like a Najee Harris, for example, right? Because even though Gaskins did his thing last year, he was extremely impressive. Give him all the kudos in the world. He's sub 200 pounds, right? He doesn't profile as like a workhorse running back, even though he got the work of one. I believe that you get a bigger body, like either you get like a Najee in the first round or you wait to the second round, get a Javante Williams to compliment Gaskins because Gaskins is going to be involved regardless. But, you know, last year he got hurt just because, again, he's not that big of a dude. If you if we can have like that one two punch, the thunder and lightning that Jordan Howard and Matt Breida was supposed to be, I think that would be kind of cool. But I I think it might be offense, offense. But just like you said, Flores is definitely a defensive guy. I wouldn't be surprised if it's offense, defense. Or when he goes in and he picks Parsons at six, and then he waits for the wide receiver running back at eight. Uh, I, don't, I don't. Who knows? I mean, crazier right? things I mean, have he's happened. A tough, he's a tough guy to pass up on, right? I mean, you're, there's talk of the tight end being a generational talent, right? Mm-hmm. But you've also got this is supposed to be the best prospect defensively that's come out in a very long time too, in him that you could potentially just have sitting there, you know, waiting for you to just scoop him up and make him your linebacker for the next 10 years as well. Right. So so it's a, it's a tough thing, right? (laughs) That's going to be interesting to see. I'm excited for the draft. I it's this year. I'm actually excited mostly because I feel like there's very little pressure for the bills um, because I don't, there's nothing. I don't really think that we can do wrong at the position. Right. I I think that I'm, I'm not sure that the guy that we're going to take at 30 and I've actually been saying, I don't think we'll pick at 30 either way, but 
he's not going to be like the game changer for the bills, right? Like he's going to be a solid piece that will help us, but he's not going to be like the guy that's going to make or break. If we succeed this season is kind of where I feel like we're at at that position, right? We can go a lot of different ways with it. Um, me personally, I've been kind of saying that I would like to go up and get the kid from Northwestern uh, and make him our new center for the foreseeable future in Slayton uh, or Slater, um, or we'll move back. And we go after like a cornerback at you know, cornerback. I actually don't know that we'll go cornerback that early, but I think that if we can move back and get into that cornerback realm right there, that would be the best moves for us. But either way, I think if we just sit at 30 and we wait and just see who's there and just pick that it's going to be an okay thing for us. So I'm excited for the draft. Cause it's like for the bills fan, I haven't felt like this in 15 years, right? It's like every year it's felt like the draft is going to make or break this franchise and it feels like we've gotten over the hump a little bit. So it's a lot more fun. I'm excited to see what happens. And I hope that there's some team that does something dumb because that always makes the draft that much more fun. Oh, there's definitely going to be plenty of teams, but I got to ask, right? So since we're talking about your bills, Mm -hmm. what's going on with your running back position, right? Because obviously y'all didn't run the damn ball last year, (laughs) right? Josh Allen was the, your only running back Singletary, his rookie year. He was impressive. But last year, he looked very pedestrian, right? He might have like one long play randomly and then just get stuff, stuff, stuff. Zach Moss, I know he was dealing with injuries, but and it, it, he was used on the goal line in terms of, you know, some touchdowns like that kind of back, but he didn't look that impressive either. So I'm curious about your opinions about your running backs. Yeah, it's, so from all of last season, before the season even started, when we drafted Moss, I was saying that he would be the running back one before the end of the season. He fits more of the mold, I think, than what Singletary does. I think Singletary is more of like that third down back or just your change of pace guy, right? Like he can give you something a little bit different. And Moss was going to be the guy at Utah, runs the ball in the cold. He play, you know, he's a little bigger. He can do more of the things you need him to do when it gets to be cold in Buffalo. So I 100% was in belief that Zach Moss would be the guy. I still do believe that the belief is Zach Moss will be the guy. I think that the move with Brita coming in has signaled that they're not that sold on Singletary anymore because I think what we were truly lacking, whether we were running or not running was a speed element. Neither one of those guys are very fast, no. right? And <laughs> Brita is coming in and he'll be like the quickest back in the room now, right? So he's going to give us that element. So there is that piece at 30 of going ahead and just sitting there and maybe Harris is there, you know, maybe you got the Clemson back sitting there and you're like, okay, now's the time, right? Like I feel like we could be in that situation where we could definitely pull the trigger on a running back. Brandon Bean just said the other day of one of the guys is there at 30 and he's the guy, then he's the guy, right? I mean, we're in that position. I like it. I like the Clemson back the most because I don't view him as a running back. I view him as a weapon um, that we could put everywhere. And I like him. And, but, Chase, actually, um, he oh, a few weeks back, he talked me off the running back at 30, like immediately because of the value of the pick at 30 and how little we run the football. Um, so he, he really actually turned me off the running back quite a bit at the position. But I do definitely see the the outside perspective of there's trouble in the running back room right now or like where where is it? Is it that we're just not caring to run the ball because we don't really need to? Or is it the scheme? Um, I've heard some guys that I know that are old offensive linemen that said it's the wrong scheme for the backs, right? So maybe we just change the scheme this year and it all works out fine. Or maybe Breed is the answer, or maybe a guy at 30 is the answer. But if I had to say right now, it's going to be Zach Moss would probably be the lead back coming out. Yeah, I would say because it would be really weird if you weren't like three years in a row, like drafting a running back with like a significant draft capital for the most part, right? Because Let's see, because Zach, Zach Moss, he was third round. Yeah, they're both third round. Or both of them were third round, right? So if you're yeah. draft, so then you're going to draft another running back with either the first or second round. Like, uh, well, we just that, keep it consistent. We draft another one in the third, third round. round. That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> like, it would be, it is a weird strategy. So I'm like, it would be, if you're able to just get away with, you know, Zach Moss, Singletary, Matt Breida, if you guys can get away with it, then yeah, you probably should do that. It's just, Last year, and you're right. Maybe they don't have. I just, but to me though, it's like, yeah, you guys obviously looked excellent, Josh. And again, I'm gonna hype up 
you know, the Bills, unfortunately. But yes, Josh Allen, everyone knows how good he looked, right? You, you don't need me to tell you. Obviously, Stephon Diggs, people were worried about, oh, how is he going to do on the new team? They were they were simpatico, right? It's like they've been playing like together all their lives. Like they were gold. And I want to talk about my boy. So Gabe Davis, that's actually my dude, right? He's from UCF. I'm a UCF alum. So that's one of the reasons why I'm like, you know, obviously I'm not a Bills fan. I do root for Gabe because, you know, of that connection. What do you think about him, man? Like, because I think that he's going to take a step up this year. You know, John Brown's obviously not there. Cole Beasley, I believe he's on the last year of his deal. And I think they might be, he might be able to get cut next year for like minimal dead cap. So what's your thoughts on Gabe Davis? Yeah, so I like Gabe. Um, I think that he's going to be so. The move to me of bringing in Sanders signifies to me that they want to groom him a little more, right? Um, that he obviously has the skill set to play in the NFL, right? He's the big body. He made some incredible catches in the playoff game, right? I mean, he basically carried the wide receivers in the in that playoff game with a couple of those grabs, you know. So he's definitely showing he has the skills. But that move signifies to me they're not a hundred percent ready to put him into the role completely yet right but he's there and he's capable of being more than great depth and i think that you're right it it is that we're going to see the switch right because Diggs is young he's going to be there the next four years i think sanders is the guy that comes in provides just something that's going to make us very dangerous right because how do you Sanders runs a really good route. Diggs runs a really good route, right? So they're both going to be able to just help each other out so much. But it does tell me, too, that they just want to constantly groom him for another season, make sure he's ready, and then the role could 100% be his, right? And I think he's capable of doing it. Like you said, Beasley next year, he could absolutely be moved on from. Um, we, I, we're definitely going to have to find a better slot option, I think. you know, um, Maybe you move Davis inside and start letting him learn and work in there because that big body would be nasty inside, right? But we've, we've typically liked the quicker, shorter guy, um, but we'll see. But I think he's He's definitely going to have a great role again on the team next year. And obviously, if somebody goes down, I think he's going to be first guy up. Um, it's also going to be interesting to see, too, this year with, you know, they, they've brought in some other guys in Kumaro. You know, Stills is actually still running around, you know, yeah, out there. I too. forgot. So, <laughs> yeah. right? so there's some different pieces that are still floating around that's going to make this offseason interesting for him. Um, plus, also, the guy he was drafted with last year and Isaiah Hodgins, who got hurt and never even played, was actually supposed to be better than what Davis was projected to be. So it's going to be very interesting for him this year. But I do love him. I do think he's he's got the speed. He's got the big body for the NFL. And he's he's getting just like absolutely schooled on how to be a pro right now by Diggs, Right. So it should, it should just only, if he's got the ability, Diggs is going to find it and he's going to get it out of him. I think so. If if Davis is good, meant to be a good NFL wide receiver, he's going to do it. And he's in an offense that is throwing the football. Right. I mean, we moved off to the running backs a little bit, but I think part of the running back room being okay too, is that we don't care to run. Right. We're just like, well, let's see if they can stop Josh from throwing <laughs> yeah. the ball around right? like first, or we just run with him. So, but yeah, I love Gabe Davis. I know um, that a lot of the mafia is a big fan of Gabe Davis. You know, they're excited to see him this year. And I think we'll see, like you mentioned, a good jump out of him. Oh man. One thing we didn't talk about, right. Since you, you we were talking about the bill, I probably still have nightmares about the last game of the Dolphins season where we had to win. And, and we were in. All you had to do is win, we're in. Obviously, not. did I think we were going to have a difficult time? Obviously, we we're going to have a difficult time. The Bills were one of the hottest teams in the league. I did not think we were going to get, you know, a butt whoop the way we got a butt whoop. That was hard to watch, right? And I'm just like, obviously, because, well, not, not just because of the Bills, but because all we had to do was win it and we were in. Again, I wasn't expecting, it was, I'm mad we put ourselves in that situation, right? Like, talk about, like, the worst team to go against. For that scenario, but man, that was rough. <laughs> that was a rough game. Yeah, I mean, I, I was stunned, right? I mean, obviously, I knew we were on fire, but the Dolphins were playing good football. Yeah, I mean, they and and I thought they were coming in with their lives on the line, right? And we were only going to be playing our our starters for like a half, right? So it the way I was expecting to watch a game that the Dolphins were going to win right, no matter what, realistically, and we didn't really care. And then all of a sudden, it was like, whoa. What just took place? Like, where's that Dolphins oh, defense at? That was like, so good. Killed us! Oh my gosh, yeah, it's like, it was, so nasty. That's what it was. Like, honestly, it was it was literally just Josh Allen throwing the digs the entire time. That's that's what it was. And I was like, 
obviously your running game didn't do anything. It was really just those two. Those two single-handedly pretty much took the Dolphins out. I mean, your defense played okay, but until like the end, they kind of let up. But like it was Josh Allen and Diggs just destroying us. So yeah. the thing about that game that I thought was like the, the most, like one of the most disrespectful things that I've seen actually in a long time was that every time Diggs caught the ball, he would just turn and run for like two yards and just lay down basically. Like, yeah, yeah I'm not going to take a real hit today. <laughs> you know, like oh, I saw he, was that. Just, he was always like two, three yards open, man. He is just, I, when, like you brought up a little while ago that he was supposed to be just this terrible cancer for your locker room and he was mm-hmm. impossible to throw the ball to. And, you know, he's just going to be this terrible guy. And immediately just if, when you watch him run routes, he looks unstoppable. I mean, he just looks like nobody stands a chance. Like when these guys do hem him up in weeks and stuff, it's like, it's an amazing feat to hem that guy up because he is just so good at what he does. And it's funny. It's crazy how like it was such a win-win scenario for not only the Bills, but also the Vikings, right? Even though they lost that talent, but look, they got Justin Jefferson, right? So like they can't be crying too much, but it's still crazy to think like, Diggs obviously suffered some injuries back when he was with the Vikings, but like he's still in his moments. I wish they just fed him more. Like the problem, it's it's that offense. Obviously, they have Dalvin Cook, so they run the offense through him. But like Diggs should be getting as many targets like for his whole career that he got last year, right? The way you guys used him was exactly how he should have been used. But obviously, you had Adam Thielen. You don't have he's the bona fide number one, right? Like no one. I love Gabe David, but there's no one that you're who's going to be on the Bills is going to be anywhere close. It's going to be a repeat of last year, right? Like he's going to get like 150 targets again. Like I should, I I mean, they should be easier ones. I would even imagine with Sanders on the other side, running routes across from him for most of it, you know, it's going to be really fun though. When, we trade for Justin Jefferson in three years when he wants out of from Minnesota as man, well because yeah. he doesn't like it. Because of- <laughs> man, I will not allow it. I, the, the the league will have to boycott that one. Yeah, the boycott it. Be like, why? Why are the freaking Vikings just getting all these good wide receivers and trading them to the Bills? Oh yeah, I, and I then they just draft the next good wide receiver and then trade them to the Bills. It'd be like something that people used to think the Patriots. Everybody would just like trade and give the Patriots whatever they wanted, right? Uh, that's like, how here's our going. guy. Give us some like a seventh rounder. What do you guys think? Is seventh okay? Okay with okay with you, Bill? Right? Like it's amazing. But it's funny. That's the one thing that we can agree on that we both hate the Patriots. But it's funny because the Bills were on the the end of my hate list, right? So for me as a Dolphins room, right? It went the Pats. Then it was the Jets because the the Rex Ryan Mark Sanchez air really bothered me. Like I don't know what it was, but I really didn't like them. So they were second, and then Bills were last because I'm sorry, y'all suck so bad. So that's the reason why I didn't really hate y'all that much. Now I hate y'all again, but like right. I still hate I, I hate the Pats worse than you guys. Still, they're always been my number one hate, and now you guys are second, and the Jets are just so terrible that now they're last. <laughs> that's funny because that's how mine would have matched up as well it would have went patriots jets dolphins and it was kind of similar right because you guys were bad for so long too yeah. right <laughs> that it was just there down there and it all does stem from well even we had rex i didn't like our rex years at all really oh, yeah but you know, i liked he, your rex he years. was terrible <laughs> yeah, he was just terrible you know he's just like he's not what you want your head coach to be right like to me i just I don't know. I love Sean McDermott and it's not just because we're winning, but because he just he represents something different to me. And I think it aligns more with what I would like to see as a head coach instead of what I got to see from Rex Ryan. And like, I heard some stories of things that he's done, you know, like where they were just like basically just slacking off, you know, during, during some of those years and stuff. So uh, we can definitely agree that the hatred for the Patriots, do you think uh, since we're mentioning them, do you uh, anticipate a bounce back year for them? They've made quite a lot of moves. They spent a lot of money, uh, way ton of money for them. Do you think it really did much though? I mean, I looked at it and was like, so Nelson Aguilar and who else are you throwing to on the outside? I understand your tight ends are dope, but uh, who's on the outside? Cause we just won't cover them and we'll just cover your tight ends. Right. So do you think cam bounces them back this year? So it's about cam, right? So if cam was, Actually, one of my biggest misses of last year, I, I thought that he was like undervalued, right? But I, he had his moments, right? He did, he did not look good as a passer the entire season, right? Him being accurate has never been his thing, but like he just looked like he couldn't throw the football last year. But when he was running, he looked, when, the, when every time he took off, like that's how the offense moved, right? And let's see what they do this year if they, 
you know, fit the scheme more to continue to allow him to run the ball. Because if Cam's running and he stays healthy, then he's just going to be annoying. That's what it is. And you're right. They paid receivers, but it was like the, the receivers that they paid were mind-blowing. So, yeah, they paid Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne from the 49ers, right? So, to me, why pay them when they could have gotten, like, a stud like Kenny Galladay or they could have gotten, like, tried to get Juju or even they could probably try to get Will Fuller, right? Like, they could have spent their money at other places, but they got, like, these, like, mid-tier guys, but they paid them a decent amount of money. Yeah, like, Nelson Aguilar had a good year last year, but that wasn't that money. And then Kendrick Bourne, he's not that good to, I don't know. He's like a role player in that offense. But, yeah, they have John New and they have Hunter Henry, which when John, and the fact that they got both of them was really bizarre, right? Because you only need, like, one of them. And obviously, everyone's comparing them to, like, Bronk and Hernandez, but they're, they're both talented. It's not going to be that, but like, I'm, to me, it just tells me that, okay, the offense is going to run through these tight ends just because they are both extremely talented. They are matchup problems, right? Especially John, who he's extremely athletic. So, and it makes sense for me because, you know, when the cam was with the Panthers, he relied a lot on Greg Olson. So I'm assuming that he's going to Probably and also just bigger body guys, right? Cam's not that accurate. He's just going to throw to his big body tight ends, help move the offense. It's not going to be an explosive down the field offense. It's probably going to be a shorter um, average depth of target. So I believe that that's what's going to happen. They couldn't. They're going to be fighting for third place. That's the way I see. Right? I think <laughs> it's going to be very similar to last year, where unfortunately. We'll see what how the draft goes, but if I was a betting man, I would say that the Bills take the division. The Dolphins have a very good chance at the wild card, and I think that the Pats probably are going to be third, and then the Jets are going to be fourth. That's how I think. So pretty much last year. Yeah, I would probably agree with that right now too. And like you said, it was it was bizarre when they signed both of them. When they signed Smith, and then they signed, I was basically like, if I was Smith, I would have been like, "Yo, can I change my mind?" <laughs> right, like. Why am I? Sh- Wait, no, I'm supposed to be like the guy. Mm-hmm. Didn't you just tell me I was the guy? Now I'm just like, I'm one of the guys, right? Like I, I was going to be like your stud tight end and now I'm sharing that role. Right. But I, I, in the, the comparisons to it, it's like, okay, that's fine. Does Bill Belichick really think that he's going to surprise the league by going back and using something from 10, 15 years ago? Right. I mean, I don't feel like that's going to be the thing either, but I do agree that it fits cam better, right? He can throw the seam. He can throw the middle of the field stuff. He has trouble with some of the stuff outside, but he can hit that stuff down the seam and things where they can work those guys and they can do a lot of things. And Smith is a terror. He's a big dude. I mean, when he was an option, that was one of the things I was pushing for early on for us was like, yeah, let's go get a guy like that. Oh yeah, He could be like a huge difference maker on our offense, right? Like how are you going to cover Diggs and him? And then if you manage to pull that off, you still would have to stop Sanders and Cole Beasley besides that, right? Like that would be very challenging for any team to face. So I agree with your assessment though. I would say that it's going to fall that way. Bills, Dolphins. I actually, I have a little more faith in the Jets, but it's all going to truly depend on what they do it too. I don't think it's going to work this year for them. Absolutely. But I don't know that Cam's going to turn them around enough either, but I'd still go with what you said with Bills, Dolphins, Pats, and then the Jets finishing it out. Speaking on the Jets, you're the Jets GM right now. You are you picking that picket too, or would you trade out of there? No, I'm a hundred percent staying at two. The problem is, I don't think they're going to get the guy I believe they should get. I think Justin Fields is the locked in 102, right? I believe he's the second best quarterback in this draft. I think it's not, I think I'm not, not disputed, right? I'm very confident in Justin Fields' abilities. I'm not a huge college guy, but I watched enough of Justin Fields and I, I've watched, you know, some of the other games as well, some of these other QBs. And I've been looking at some of their tape. I'm not a, a film grinder, but just watching football, right? I'm looking at these dudes. I'm like, Justin Fields is just different. And if you go back and you look at the game between Ohio State and Clemson, Justin, and this is when everyone was talking about Justin Fields, like, they were pushing him down to like the fourth best QB because he had like, I think two bad games. Right. But then he goes against Clemson and then that game, he was better than Trevor Lawrence in that game. I'm not saying he's a better overall prospect, but in that game, Justin Fields showed everybody how good of a prospect that he was. So to me, he should be 
the second quarterback off the board. But I think they're going to go Zach Wilson. Like he's okay. Like he's decent. I, I just me personally, just as a Dolphins fan, I much rather see Zach Wilson twice than Justin Fields. I'm not saying Zach, Zach Wilson sucks, but I just think that Justin Fields is that much better. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I'm I've heard all the Zach Wilson stuff, and I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we'll play him twice a year. That sounds great. I mean, like from what I've seen him, he's a small dude, right? Like, I'm I'm curious to see how he's going to hold up in the NFL. I think obviously, he, if he's going to get drafted up there, he's in the consideration. He's capable of doing it, right? There's people that evaluate this game way deeper than I do, and, yeah. and watch way more than I watch. Um, you know, that believe in him enough to take him up there. But for me, I've been saying the whole offseason that if I was there, I, I would just trade it away. I mean, to me, you're not just a quarterback away right now. You still have so many other things that you need to address on that team that I would just let somebody give them, give me a haul and I would just go back and I'd fill a couple other roles. And I, at that point though, I would have kept Sam Darnold yeah, if that see, was the case. Right? That was, you know, once exactly you've lost him, that say. changes everything, right? Yeah. But initially my plan would have been to just hold on to Darnold and actually develop him with some people around him that are capable of playing in the NFL instead of a lot of the guys he's had to play with so far. Um, but once they got rid of him, yeah, but I'm a hundred percent okay with them taking Zach Wilson. I agree with you. I don't think he's necessarily going to be the guy and I would much rather see him than fields right twice a year in the division. Um, so for me, it's, it's a win. Actually, I think I did. I put that out on Twitter the other day. I think somebody was like, did a Zach Wilson thing. Like, this is the guy you're going to be playing twice a year. And it was like, just put a, a, a gift back of the Bills defense dancing, right? Like, <laughs> cool. Give the little guy, right? Like, well, sure, we'll play him. Yeah, exactly. It just again, I've seen him. Like, he's he's athletic. He has a big arm. Like, he he's and just like you said, right? There's a lot more people than me that are bigger believers. But to me, and again, like he's fine. Like, you can make an argument, but to me, I, I actually rather Trey Lance. Like Trey Lance to me, like. He's everyone talked about it. he didn't have that many starts. He's more of a project, but he's the type of guy like if he's in the right system, maybe I don't know about year one, but he's he's extremely athletic. And if you put him in the right scheme or with the right like offensive coordinator, he could be dangerous. I don't know who's going to get him, but I think like he has that type of ceiling and potential where like I'm glad he's not around. At least again, year one, I wouldn't be worried about. But again, Zach Wilson's fine. I'm not saying he's garbage, but I, again, Justin Fields, to me, it's like, he could, I think he's closer to Trevor Lawrence than he is like these other guys. So that's the way I see him. I mean, to me, it's like when you're talking about taking him at the second pick in this draft, right? You're saying, okay, so you're saying he's just about as good as Joe Burrow and he's just about as good as Lawrence. And I don't, I don't see that, right? I I don't see him playing the talent to actually be able to say he's that good either compared to those other guys, which I think elevates them. And I, and I've got a quarterback that played against, you know, small schools, right? So I know that it can be done, right? You can have a quarterback come from a small school and be super successful in the NFL, right? It it can happen, but at number two, and you're saying a guy like Joe Burrow, I mean, Joe Burrow got killed last year because Cincinnati couldn't protect him, right? Like the jets aren't going to be in a situation to protect him if you take him at two, right. And you're, you're, that means you're not doing a lot of other things that you need to address and you're going to rely on him learning very quickly behind a shaky offensive line and, you know, not throwing to real weapons at this point, you know, so it's going to be a challenge either way. No, absolutely, man. I, I agree with you, but you're right. The, the Jets, sorry, the Jets do need a lot of help. I think they're probably like two, three years out from like really like making some noise. Yeah, I agree. I do like their GM though. I do like Joe Douglas. I think he's got the right mindset to turn it around. Um, yeah, and I like does their coach. Start, yeah. Start, yeah, their coach is good too. Um, so they they are. I think they've definitely got that portion figured out right now. Now it's just a matter of they can hit on some players, right? I mean, that's what it all boils down to. Everybody can believe you're a good GM, but if you don't hit on some guys, it starts to creep back up on you that maybe you're not that good at what you do, right? <laughs> so it's uh, it's hard to uh, hide out when your guys aren't on the field that you've been drafting, right? Oh, or they're playing for other teams because you got rid of them because you didn't think that they were good enough. So <laughs> that's it. 
We're, so we're getting pretty close to, uh, we got about uh, 13 more minutes or so here before we hit the hour mark. And I promised Troy we wouldn't go longer than an hour. Um, so we're going to introduce a new little segment this week. Troy's going to be the guinea pig of the new segment that we're going to do this week. Uh, we're going to be calling it the nerding out segment. So this thing is all about, uh, you know, just learning new things, you know, checking out new charities, you know, meeting people that you're, you know, they're intelligent, knowledgeable, got different aspects of the game and all that kind of stuff. So I just want to kind of pick their brain about some, uh, you know, a few other things, um, you know, and kind to learn a couple other things and provide everybody some other opportunities so the first thing i want to know troy is if you had to recommend like a sports book or a book that you've been reading recently what's something that you would say you would recommend for everybody you really enjoyed i would say in terms of sports book the jordan rules the jordan rules by sam smith and yes i was inspired by the last dance right because obviously last year in quarantine there wasn't a lot on we didn't have sports so once I saw The Last Dance, I'm like, I need to read this book, right? Because obviously that was like a legendary book. So I got that book and man, it's just, it's just, obviously Michael Jordan, he's the GOAT. It's just interesting mm-hmm. just to get into the mind of like, okay, like what it took to be the champion and all that he went through. And you saw it in The Last Dance, but I think it's a little bit different experience actually like reading it. So if I had to recommend anything, that's a really good one. I like that. I have not actually read that. I've seen the documentary, obviously. And yeah, I mean, the dude competed, but he'd be competing right now. Like yeah. he'd be betting you something <laughs> on this show right now that he was going to do it better than you. Oh my gosh. Like it, He's like, they would like my answer better than yours. I'll bet you a thousand dollars right now. Right. Like that, that's the type of stuff this guy was doing. Right? Oh yeah. hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> right. Like, you know, it's wild. <laughs> no, nah, he, he was look. he's a go for a reason. He crazy, but, he's yeah. a go. but you got to have a little aspect of, being out of your, out of your mind to oh, yeah. go all world for year after year after year after year. Right. Like you got to be in a different place sometimes, you know, so very cool. So the Jordan rules, that's a good one. I'm going to, I'm going to write that one down for myself actually, cause I have not read it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, second thing I want to know, Troy is obviously you're a fantasy guy. So you dig, you're into football all the time. What brought you to football? What's your, what's your like favorite piece of football? What, you know, like every Sunday we all love watching the games and stuff, but really what really brought you to football? Sure. So I would say I grew up into football, right? So my dad, diehard Dolphins fan. My mom, my mom is actually originally from Jamaica, so she didn't grow up liking football, but obviously she's married to my dad. She started enjoying it. So I was just born into it. And then I didn't really like, you know, as a kid, I watched it. And then like in high school, I watched it. But I think in my college days, it's like, I'd say end of high school, college days, when I actually started just watching football just to understand and like enjoy it. And then Fantasy. I feel like fantasy definitely brought a whole different element, right? Because I, and I, cause I only followed the Dolphins for so long, right? And one of the reasons I didn't want to do fantasy because I didn't want to cheer for like a Bills player or a Pats player, right? right? Because I was <laughs> such a, so into yep. my team. But it helped me just learn the game and just from different aspects, right? Just because you know, just understanding different, and I, I dove deep, right? Different like offensive formations, Offensive lines, like there's so many things that go into the game. Because if you, as a casual fan, you just care, hey, if you kick it a field goal or they score a touchdown, right? But there's, or they make a first down. But there's so many things that go on every single play. And yeah, that's really what it is. And just being competitive, right? And then just talking junk to my friends and meeting people who are friend, fans of other teams, especially like stuff like this, right? Like I love talking to division rivals because. We have a healthy rivalry. It's interesting. I love talking junk. Some of my coolest friends, like on Twitter and stuff, like they're like Pats fans, they're Bills fans, right? And like it, the competitive, just back and forth. Like I, I love that. So those are some of the reasons why I, I love football so much. Yeah, I mean, it's th- this has been super enjoyable. I think I, was, I, don't, I might have said a couple of weeks back or whatever. I was telling somebody like, what you know, what kind of what are you driving for when you start doing this? And I was telling them some things and I was like, and also looked at it like if I just do one episode a week, I'm going to meet 52 new people this year. Right. I'm going to get to have 52 conversations with people that I've never had conversations with before. So it's super fun. Right. And it's all because of football. Right. It's the same thing for me. I, you know, I grew up diehard. Basically I joked around all the time that like my going to church on Sundays was watching, you know, Bill's games and getting ready to watch (laughs) Bill's games. Right. It was just, that's what we did, you know, growing up my entire life. So that was very similar to you. In that aspect that I didn't want to root for anybody else. It was, it was the bills or nothing. Right. You know, and now I'm a guy that in fantasy, I don't even get the bills on my team. Cause I don't want to be pissed off at them. 
as a player and as a team if we lose, right? You know, so I don't even freaking draft anybody on the Bills anymore in fantasy either. I think last year I took Diggs in one league and I had Allen in one league. And that was it. Besides that, I, I didn't mess with any Bills players. So it's funny. You're similar to me, right? Because like everyone's like, I never have two on any. I don't have two. I'm in probably like eight dynasty leagues. I don't have two on any of them, right? Because not only it's like, I don't know if I purposely avoid them. I just wait because I know that other people are going to probably reach for him because they think that I want him so bad. I'm like, I'm fine. Like right. you can have to like, as long as he's doing well in the real game, that's all I care about. I don't need him on my fantasy team. That's the way I see yep. it. That's exactly how I am. I'm like, there could be that down week where I'm playing against them where I'm like, yeah, okay, well, three touchdowns today. Can we just do three today? Josh? Yeah. It's not doing anything crazy, right? It's <laughs> not doing anything crazy this week. I'm playing you this week. Get the W. You know, but let's just let's keep it cool, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. It's, it's kind of fun. So, uh, next one, uh, favorite podcast. I mean, obviously, you have your own, and you should say this one, but I won't force you to. Um, so, <laughs> what's your favorite podcast? Man, this is I. It was a lot easier a couple of years ago, right? But I feel like being in the space and being on so many podcasts, this is probably a harder question than it should be. But I'll say that. The fantasy footballers, man, like if it they're one of my, they're probably one of my favorite podcasts just because they helped me, especially when I first started in fantasy, right? They're just funny. They're entertaining. But I also like, I'll say JJ Zacharyzens, right? Like he has a, his podcasts are like 15 minutes or so. And they're just very quick and they're like easy to digest, right? It's a very unique format because and I love my hour podcast, hour and a half podcast, but like his is like, he has a short podcast. So when I first like started listening to him, I'm like, that thing is too short. But I'm like, you know what? You're telling me exactly what I want to need in a short amount of time. And not everyone can duplicate that, right? Like he's found a way to provide you with like numbers and analytics and the things you need. And like, I could just be like doing whatever, right? And let's say I have a busy week. I can pop on his pod and I could just get the information. So I'll say those two. Yeah, I like that. That's a that's a good point that uh, it is a tough thing to do uh, a little window of time like that. Um, I think everything that I've ever felt like is everybody just says it, whether it's 15 minutes or an hour, just make sure it feels right. Yeah. Right? You know, so you make sure you're feeling right. You know, it's not dead. It's not, you know, everybody's still having fun while you're doing it. Right. If you're not feeling the fun, then you should probably just call it good. Right. You know, so yeah. that's cool. I do like that, though. That is a challenging thing to do 15 minutes. I it's funny though, because you when you say it's hard to stay at fifteen minutes, but then you start doing it, and it's really hard to get to fifteen minutes sometimes as well, right? It's weird. I think it depends on what the subject is, and like, it, I think it depends on the subject. It depends on who you're hosting with, because it's funny because like yesterday I actually did my first hosting and for my own pod, right? Because normally one of my other co-hosts is the host, but I mm-hmm. had to step as a host, and then we flew by like the show sheet, right? Because like we were at like. 40 minutes and like we were like kind of done because like I, it was my first time hosting but it's just the way the conversation flows so i completely understand what you're coming from yeah it's interesting all right last one for you uh this one is it can be either i want to know just the worst call that you ever remember or like the worst season that you remember worst player in a season any of the above just something that sticks out to you and you're just like man that was so bad I think I'll say last year, last year, I'll just keep it simple. I have two players. So first one is Hollywood Brown. I thought Hollywood Brown was going to be one of the best receivers in the league last year. And he bounced back a little bit towards the end, but Marquise Hollywood Brown, and it's not all his fault, but man, he was not good for most of the season. Like he, again, he wasn't getting targeted. Like the targets he did have, he just didn't do much with them. So, and just, it's the Ravens offense. Like they started off really sluggish. So I would say that he hurt my soul because I was riding for him so hard last year, as well as Tyler Higby. So oh, yeah. the year before, right, he ended the season on his historic run where he had like four games of like 100 plus yards and he's like the greatest tight end of all time. So I'm like, all right, this dude coming off those games, there's no way that he's not going to like be like at least one of the best tight ends in the league for fantasy. And then I remember last year he had like one game with three touchdowns on my seat. I told y'all and then he was yep. garbage the whole season. I'm like, bro, it's not that hard to be one of the top tight ends because it's such an unpredictable, you know, 
position. And somehow he found a way to just disappear for most of the season. So that was not a good call by me. And again, I'm not a Higby truther, but last year I really thought that he was going to be one of the best and he let me down. So. Yeah, he was. He that's the tight end position right now. Though it's like so wide open for anybody to be te one, right? Minus the top guys, right? But anybody yeah. else really could pop up there at any point and be the top guy. And I, I, I picked him up in a couple of redrafts this year, thinking the same thing, right? And it felt right with golf too, right? Like it just felt like the right thing that it would work. But yeah, he fell off the moon again this last season. So uh, that's funny that you brought that up. And Hollywood Brown, I'm, he. He, yeah, he's one of those guys too. That you see these guys in the NFL that just have like massive talent, yet they get stuck in a, a spot where it just doesn't fit, so they like never truly excel. It's kind of it's kind of weird. But all right, dude. So we're pretty much uh, almost up here on the hour. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity. You got anything you want to shout out? Uh, anything you got coming up? Any uh, you know big things coming up before the draft? Anything you want people to know about? Sure. Well, I'll just say that you know it's, it's funny because actually next week during the draft, it's actually my wife's birthday on the first day of the draft but i'm gonna find a little bit of time to actually catch some of it you know i'm not i'll be smart about it obviously my wife's priority but and we're so i'm not going to be as involved as i would normally be during this time however i would just say just checking out my stuff so i do have a dolphins 2020 recap and 2021 outlook article on footballguys.com so definitely check that out as well as just check out the podcast. Again, I'm one of the co-hosts of Fantasy Football Confidential. We are on Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have a bunch of dope guests. Like last night, we just had Marcus Grant from the NFL Network. We've had people like Matthew Barry on, Matt Harmon, Andy Barons, and we're going to have a bunch of different people. We're going to have like some of the guys from CBS coming up in a few weeks. So we've been having some awesome guests this offseason. So Definitely check that out. If you don't follow me on Twitter, I'm at T King Mode on Twitter. That's my home base. I've been like trying to try and figure out the TikTok on the side, but Twitter is definitely where you should find me if you want to consume most of my content. And just go appreciate you inviting me on. It's been such a fun, you know, fun time, fun conversation. Yeah, Troy, absolutely. And you guys will be able to get uh, all of Troy's info will be in the show notes. I'll have links and everything for you so you can easily find him and connect all the stuff that he's doing. Uh, Troy, absolutely appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, it was what well, we fit, we mapped this out probably a month and a half ago or so, you know, uh, that we were, were able to get together to do this. Super excited. Thank you for your time. Uh, I know you're a busy man and you got a wife and kids and everything over there, too. So I really appreciate that okay. um, for everybody listening. Thank you again for being here. Uh, you know, make sure you're spreading this around, leaving reviews, letting everybody know, you know, getting the word out there about what we're doing over here. You know, chatting up good causes today, you know, March of Dimes again, getting put in a spotlight where they rightfully should be. So um, thank you very much for all that. Uh, let me know what you think about the new intro. I forgot all about it last week. I was so excited when Steffi came on uh, that I didn't even talk about the brand new intro was uh, dropping for this last week so hopefully you like the new intro and outro stuff um you guys know where to find me over at the buffalonerd.com thanks again troy uh everybody be safe out there mask up love you guys see you next week you just listen to the buffalo nerd sports podcast make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss another episode we'll see you next time leg out